And welcome, Hoosier fans, to another episode of Doing the Work, the first show on the Back Home Network covering IU women's basketball. I'm your host, Jeff Marlin. Tonight, I'm joined by Andy Bottoms, the Dean of Bracketology, and you know him from Assembly Call as well. This evening, we're going to be discussing tonight's big 92-83 to win by your number six ranked Hoosiers over the number 13 ranked uh, Michigan Wolverines. This takes the women's record to 18-1 and overall and 8-1 and in the conference. And we're going to start our show tonight the way we always start every show, and that's with our banner moment. And Andy, for me, the banner moment is that by moving to 18 and one, that's the best start in program history. I mean, when you think about 50 plus years of program history to get to 18 and one and, and be eight and one in the league and now be in a three-way tie for the league lead with after Iowa goes into Columbus and beats Ohio State tonight. I, that's to me, that's just remarkable what Terry Moore has done and the, and the young ladies have done with this program. So our banner moment tonight Congratulations to the 2022-23 team for setting the best start in IU women's basketball history. Our banner moment is sponsored by Homefield Apparel. Homefield is constantly releasing new schools or updating their products for schools in their existing line. In fact, if you've been watching some of the other shows on Assembly Call, Jared's been wearing a very special IU women's basketball shirt just released by Homefield Apparel, and I believe he's now 5-0 and with that shirt. So, we keep, you know, you might want to think about hopping on the bandwagon with the, the shirts. And, Jared, you're bound to find something for you or anyone in your life that loves great collegiate gear. Their new Indiana designs were just released this last week. So whether you want to you want only IU gear or other college teams or nothing associated with the team, Homefield probably has something for you. Go to homefieldapparel.com and use our promo code HOME, H-O-M-E, to get 15% off your entire first order. That's promo code HOME. For 15% off. And once again, the website is homefieldapparel.com. Wear one for the team. All right, now we're going to swing it over to Andy for the bottoms line and get his quick first take on the game tonight. Yeah, it's a really, really solid all-around performance from the team. Uh, ended up with six players in double figures. Uh, um, just just a lot of different people stepped up. It's it's funny to look at the stat line. Mackenzie Holmes at the free throw line toward the end of the game. And I was like, that's kind of a quiet 23 before she made those two free throws. Uh, it felt like for a while, but just a lot of contributions uh, up and down the roster. Uh, even uh, Lily Meister came in, gave some good minutes in relief of Holmes, who was in some foul trouble during the game. So uh, really balanced effort. Glad to see uh, Sarah Scalia get back on track. And did she ever get back on track? So uh, just a, a really good performance. And, and as you said, the the start is the best in school history. And it just speaks to how many ways this team could beat you and, and how well they've played. Uh, over the course of the season, just a, another all-around performance got, I don't know, maybe a little tight. I think got down to six at one point, but always feel like with this team that they're kind of in control. They always had a response when Michigan tried to make a run, even at other times, got to the free throw line a lot. They would knock down two free throws. I just come right back down and score. And uh, they, they had uh, all the answers down the stretch. And by all the answers, I mean, Grace Berger. So they, uh, uh, they had, they had the closer, uh, in there and she did a great job, but, uh, you know, great, really wire to wire performance. Michigan only led for, I think less than a minute over the course of the game. So, uh, just a solid performance built that 10 point lead by the end of the first quarter and really, uh, really sat at about that 
that margin or a little bit higher for the majority of the game. Yeah, and and if you remember right, we went up the, uh, to Ann Arbor last year, coming off the COVID break. Mackenzie Holmes was out and just really didn't play well at all. M- Michigan was almost ambushed them and just waylaid them in a big time uh, twenty plus point victory that really wasn't even that close. At one point, I believe it was up over thirty. So I'm sure a little bit of a, uh, I hate to say they got into revenge tonight because with a veteran group, you shouldn't need revenge as a factor, but I'm sure the plane ride home is going to feel a little better this year than it did last year. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. Hey, you brought up a couple of players. Let's talk about real quick. And I'm sure we may talk about uh, at least grace a little bit later as well, but just, I tweeted out there when it got down to about six or seven in the fourth quarter, there was grace burger time. And just, you know, must kind of talk about what you think and how it feels to have a Grace Burger type player who's just going to seem to always make the right play at clutch time. Yeah, I mean, she she really, I thought, was uh, almost too unselfish at times in the first half. I thought that was a layup that she passed up, tried to dish it to somebody else, and uh, ended up turning the ball over, but but really played under control and you know got to her spots, made the nice turnaround, turnaround jumper um, in there drove out of a double team, was able to get to the basket. I thought worked well in the pick and roll with, with Meister. And one of the baskets she got, I think the one she got fouled on, was because she had been so willing to give up the ball and pass to Meister. The defender got stuck, kind of turned her head to go back to Meister. Grace gets around the defender, ends up getting fouled. I, I just thought she uh, is just totally in control, uh, which is all that you want from the person who's got the ball in their hands at that point in the game. And, uh, you know, she, she knows her spots and where she wants to get and how to get there. And I thought – um, some of Michigan's double teaming off of ball screens early gave IU at least a little bit of trouble. Um, uh, but there was one, I think even toward the end of the first half, she just kind of wove her way through and, uh, ended up, I think that was her only basket of the first half. And really for somebody who hadn't gotten the scoring column over the majority of the game scored, I think all but two of her points in the fourth quarter, she didn't force the action either. It wasn't like she was taking bad shots. She was getting others involved. The, the passing of the team, particularly in the first half was just phenomenal. Uh, and so she was a, a huge part of that and I thought didn't force things until it kind of got down to the end and then took over when she needed to. And then the other player I want to kind of mention and talk with you a little bit about is Lily Meister. I, I really felt that Lily Meister was a huge difference in the game tonight because with McKenzie Holmes getting into foul trouble, I really started to worry that they would just really try to pound inside. And then it also, I thought, might limit us on the offensive end. And Lily's not really an offensive threat yet, but she more than held her own against Kaiser down low on the block defensively. And I thought that was a huge lift for the IU for the IU Hoosiers tonight. Yeah, she made a couple big plays. She had a put back in the first half. I think Michigan had cut the lead to four. Uh, at least that's what I got in my notes here. She gets a put back to answer. Just really made some strong defensive plays, was in good position, stood straight up for the most part, and was able to either block shots or create um, you know, create some turnovers on that end and, and really just held her own. Um and just did a great job in far expanded minutes from what she was doing. And I thought she played well enough that they were probably waited longer than you would have expected to get Holmes back in the game at the end. And there wasn't really a lot of dead balls uh, right around that point, but they were able to wait till the the media timeout in the fourth quarter to get her back in. And, and like I said, Meister held her own, uh, missed a, missed a layup on one of the nice plays from grace and grace went right back to her. Uh, she's able to get fouled, stepped up, knocked down two free throws. So, um, just a really, really big performance for her. And, you know, I think we see the balance from a scoring standpoint across the team you know, on, on most nights, but uh, for her to be able to step in and, and do what she did defensively, uh, give McKenzie a little bit of rest and uh, just a just a really big performance you see in road games like this. You got to have somebody step up and it might be somebody that you don't expect. And she was uh, ready for the moment and, and did a great job tonight.
So let's move into, as you said, expected. And so let's talk about some a theme maybe or two that you that went tonight is expected. And I'll start with you and then I'll go. I guess just the offense of this team, quite honestly. I mean, they uh, Michigan came in as, a, as one of the better defensive teams in the league, and that was some of the talk in the in the pregame uh, leading up to that about both these teams being being really strong defensively, and you end up with a game uh, where IU scores in the 90s. I, I thought uh, it just kind of goes to show that the weapons they have, the way they share the ball, uh, the way they cut is going to allow them to be successful even against really good defensive teams. And, and I thought that offense traveled really well. Uh, this evening so that was one you don't worry too much about this team with the the firepower that they have I think getting um, you know having even a good defensive team being able to slow them down too much and that was definitely uh, definitely definitely on display tonight yeah and I'll kind of piggyback off of that because I'll go to the 18 assists and this is just again as you talked about the offense just seems to have enough firepower it seems to always be I shouldn't say firing all cylinders but they share the ball so well. There's not really a selfish player out there. They'll find the person who either has the hot hand or that they think has the favorable matchup. And you look at the stat line tonight, and I was a little surprised as I looked at the box score because I knew Grace had been racking up some assists and she finished with six. But Chloe Moore McNeil finished with seven assists to lead the team tonight um, and, and with only two turnovers. So, you know, her, she had a, you know, that's a, you know, about a three and a half to one, you know, plus my, uh, a turnover assist ratio or assist to turnover ratio. And she's already got a very high one. She's like second or third in the country in assist to turnover ratio. And, and to me, that's just, that's the one thing I think if for, t- for people who are just now starting to watch the IU women, they really do a nice job of moving the ball and making on that extra pass. Now tonight, I thought there were a few times, as you pointed out in the first half, I thought Grace did it once. I thought Lexi Bargesser did it once where they almost overpassed, you know, get, you know, take the layup that's there. And if you miss it, we had rebounding position there in place. If we miss it, just go ahead and take, you know, but sometimes, but again, I think this speaks to the program and the culture that Terry Morin has instilled over the last several years. And you've seen the fruits of it pay off here for the last two, three years, but to go on the road that those 18 assists on, uh, on a team that, well, I won't get too deep into the stats, but, but it was well over 50% tonight on the road in a pretty hostile environment. So that was kind of what I wanted to go with the expectation. Andy, do you have anything else you wanted to add in here? Yeah, just to just to tack on the assists real quick. I mean, they had seven assists on the 11 makes in the first quarter, and I think they had 12 of the, the 20 in the first half. And I just really thought that got the got things rolling in a good direction. I mean, they hung 26 on Michigan in the first quarter and really got up and down, made good passes, um, really to set up. It just didn't matter who they were, you know, who they were setting up. It uh, just how this team shares the ball. And I thought the other thing they did well against some of the Michigan pressure and double teams. They threw some nice skip passes across to, to be able to get threes. Uh, Scally hit a couple that way and, and just thought just general offensive, uh, you know, system and, and uh, everything they really wanted to do from a game plan perspective. I thought they executed on that end. You know, the other thing I had listed in the as expected category, we already talked about a little bit, and that was really just Grace stepping up big down the stretch. Um, yeah. No matter how quiet she had been, you knew that it was coming at some point and, and at times they needed key buckets or the, or the right pass to get somebody else a basket. She stepped up for that, but we already talked about that a little bit. So yeah, we, and I we, think we it, can, we can go back to it because she's uh she's worth lingering on for sure. But that was the other thing I had written down in that category. Yeah. And I just go back to kind of an adjustment. I thought Terry Morin made it. You pointed out kind of in the first quarter. And I noted this as well, that Michigan was trapping every ball screen. Every ball screen was a hard trap and they were really giving us a little bit of an issue there with the double team on the ball screen. And so I thought they did a really good job of kind of moving away from the ball screen to initiate the offense. And they spread it a little bit 
uh, and or maybe just went to a little bit more of a you know once in a while they went to the weave and to, and to get into a handoff and usually get Grace trying to go downhill or Chloe going downhill. But I really thought that but when they were able to get away from the you know the the traps of the ball screen and started to initiate the offense a little differently, that's what really led I thought to being able to hit the skip because Michigan was so having overheld because they were anticipating ball screen action that they were that they were overhelping and it left the backside wide open. And that's the only thing I else I wanted to throw in there. So let's talk about surprises. And I can think of one right off the top of my head, but I'm going to let you go first. Well, I'm, I'm sure we're thinking of the same one. Uh, you know, I, the, the, the Sarah Scalia shooting was, uh, was really what it was. And, and obviously that's what she's known for, what she was able to provide in earlier games for the season. Uh, but coming in slumping a little bit, they mentioned it on the broadcast, it rose up even the first time she got the ball, got an open shot and missed it. Uh, but ended up still going seven to 10, they ran a couple really nice sets for her on baseline out of bounds plays. Yes. She got five points off of that. Um, and boy, once she she hit the first three, then she hit that runner. That was a tough runner uh, that she hit from there. And then it was kind of like you knew it was you knew it was on. You knew it was her night. Uh, took some good shots. Took a deep one toward the end of the first half. It reminded me a little bit of uh, you know the announcers talking about oh I don't was that a good shot or whatever. It reminded me of what we talked about yesterday with Tamar Bates taking one um you know deep after he was feeling it absolutely that's a good shot she was killing it um so yeah just a, a, exciting for her to be able to bounce back played you know played a lot of key minutes especially as you were able to to navigate some of the foul trouble that they had but um uh, being able to they, they talked about how much the staff was on her about you'll make the next one just keep shooting just keep shooting and uh and she she made the next one and then some and 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 Sky, I think, is one of those kids that is a streak shooter anyway. And so you could see her go off on about a four or five game run now because she's really struggled. As they pointed out on the broadcast, that was my one big, my pleasant surprise of the night was to see Sarah Sky have a good game that we really thought she'd be having on a more consistent base. She hadn't been in double figures in over a month. It was back, I think they said December 18th since she'd last been in double figures. But she's also the kind of kid that now the few went in for that basket may get huge and she could go off on a four or five game stretch where she's really playing well. The other thing I'm going to talk about here, and I'm trying not to get too deep into stats, but I think to me was a really, really big surprise because I thought that with Michigan size and with their at least coming in, they were out rebounding their opponents by almost 11 a game. We won the glass. We won the battle on the glass by 17, 41 to 24. And a lot of that, and 14 of those were on the offensive glass. So, you know, so that led to a lot, a lot of second and third opportunities. And to me, for a team that's not very big, Mac and Mac is, you know, gives us good size inside, but the rest of the team is, you know, is not really outsizing people at their spots for the most part. So they were battling on the glass. They were hustling. And again, just another indicator of the program that, that we've come to expect. And, and, but again, was a surprise because there are times, especially in the past where Michigan has really dominated them on on the glass and tonight it was completely the opposite yeah I, I was really impressed and there were some key moments when Michigan was starting to get a little bit of momentum and IU would just you know be able to get a second second chance or somebody keeps the ball alive and they're able to uh eventually convert uh on, on that end of the floor I I wasn't as familiar with how uh how good Michigan's rebounding numbers were going in but yeah IU rebounded not not half its misses but they had 14 offensive rebounds Michigan only had 19 uh, defensive rebounds and and then not giving Michigan really any second chances uh, at all, only giving up five offensive rebounds of their own. Uh, IU gets 15 second chance points uh, off of that. And, and you know, on a night that IU didn't shoot free throws, great. Uh, they missed seven. Um, you know, some of those 
some of those putbacks were pretty big and and really helped to either build the lead or stop momentum for Michigan on that end. Thought they were uh, effective for as somewhat undersized as they were, as you mentioned. Yeah, and and won't maybe shouldn't necessarily be a surprise here, uh, but that that they shot the ball fairly well from three. This has been a team that's been a little more consistent shooting it from three as well. So again, all those factors played into it. I really didn't have any other surprises. So let's go ahead, Andy, and let's jump inside the numbers. And I'll let you go first with a, a team number, or if you want to start with an individual that jumps out to you. Yeah. I mean, I guess we'll talk Mackenzie Holmes. It, it, it's funny that you, like I said, I, I thought, seemed like she had a, a quiet night in some regard where, but she just, you know, drops 25 points. It just seemed like she kind of got them here and there in bunches. And maybe it was just cause she ended up on the bench a lot with foul trouble, but you know, 25 and 10 for her uh, in just 29 minutes uh, is really efficient performance from her as you've, as you've come to expect and, and leads to 34 points in the paint for IU, which you actually got outscored in the paint uh, slightly by Michigan. But, you know, uh, I thought, are you able to to do it both inside and out? As you said, nine of eighteen from three point range uh, was really solid on that end. And we talked about the assist numbers. I think those, uh, from a team perspective, were what um, stands out from an IU perspective uh, on that end. We talked about the rebounding. So uh, yeah, those those at least are the team ones, and and certainly give Mackenzie her props for uh, twenty five and ten again. Yeah, and I'm going to go kind of the team aspect here first. And you look at, you talk about points in the paint, and a lot of this had to do with Sarah Scalia, but IU, who has at times not been a very good bench scoring team, we won the battle off the bench 23 to 7. And again, Sarah had 19, but still, uh, we got, like we talked earlier, Lily Meister gave us solid, solid minutes in the post. And I thought Lexi Bargesser played fairly well for the minute she got. That's in a game like this tonight, that's really all, <coughs> that's really all you're kind of asking for. And then if you get, like you said, six players in the double figures, but to me, that was, a, that was huge that we, we got that kind of contribution off the bench. So I'll throw it back to you for any, another stat. Yeah. I thought, I thought Vargas played well, took, you know, took shots when they were available. And, um, you know, I think you can, you can see some positive things for her as you, as you look forward. Um, you know, I think if you want to talk a little bit about the, you know, the IU defense, they give up 83, uh, Michigan shoots 48.2% from the field. I, I thought I thought Michigan hit some tough shots, and IU forced them to do a lot of things individually. So we talked about IU's assist numbers having 18. Michigan had seven, really just forced them to make individual plays. Uh, and I thought Brown made some really tough shots at times. I thought Chloe really um, dis- was disruptive with her. And then I look up, and you know she's got 30-some points. But uh, I really thought she didn't get anything easy. Um, and so while maybe Michigan fans would probably have the same questions about, Hey, this team was supposed to be really good defensively coming in and gave up 90. I think it would be possible for IU fans to think the same way. I, there were definitely more easy baskets, I think, than you see IU typically give up, but I did feel like they, they tried to make Michigan beat them with individual plays and they had a few players step up and do that, but, um, really limited anybody outside of Michigan's big three. Uh, from getting a lot of points and and even Kaiser really had to work for her. She was only four of 13 to get to 15 points. So, um, you know, kind of a mixed bag for me on the defensive end. I don't know what you thought about the defense from IU, but I thought there was maybe some things they did better than giving up 83 points would suggest. 
Yeah, I, I totally agree. And I this also, I, you know, we kind of watched it and the, and the announcing crew was talking about it. And I think the the end of the game maybe skewed it a little bit as Michigan made their run there toward kind of the, the well, kind of midway, midway through the fourth quarter, I shouldn't say toward the end, but they also hit a couple buckets and, free, and some free throws at the end. Because we seemed, the one thing that was killing me at the end was that they didn't realize the clock was our friend. Why are we even close enough to foul somebody under a minute to go? It was beyond me. And I got a feeling Terry Morton's having that conversation tomorrow in the film room. <laughs> but, you know, if I'm, like you said, Andy, I think teams, both teams, I felt like, and like you were talking about, about points in the paint, and they mentioned this on the broadcast. If you were, if I test, you would have thought IU was dominating points in the paint. You really would have. But like you said, Brown hit some tough shots. Kaiser ended up hitting some tough shots. Um, and, and it seemed like we were able to get a little bit more, I don't want to say easy, but open looks, whether they were threes or moves inside on the block. It would just seem like our looks were a little more open and coming out flow of offense. And theirs seemed to be either hurried or rushed or forced, and they hit some of them. But I was looking at that, the same thing. IU scored 1.26 points per possession, and, and I felt like our defense was pretty solid, and, and Michigan was scoring 1.11. So, I mean, it was a, it ended up really being an offensive battle rather than, as it was hyped, just kind of two of the best teams defensively. But at the end of the day, it only matters that we had the 92 and <laughs> Michigan had the 83. Um, 100%. 100%. Yeah. What, what other quick thing on the defense? I, you know, what IU did do well was block shots. Ended up with nine blocks on the yes. game. I think six different players had one. Uh, the Chloe Moore McNeil one late was just fantastic. Had to dust off the uh, Dikembe Matumbo gift for that one. But uh, yeah, yeah, I think I think they did a lot of a lot of good things on that. And I thought Michigan was rewarded at times for really just driving right into the chest mm -hmm. of a defender. Uh, when I don't know what the defender was supposed to do differently. Uh, other than, I guess, flop, because that would, would work to get the, the foul called. So I thought they struggled with that. I thought Michigan took advantage of the way the game was being called in that regard and shot, shot free throws really well. I think that was another thing that really contributed to them scoring as many points as they did, in addition to, to what you said at the end of the game, where it's like you're just going to kind of have to get out of the way at some point. But, um, but yeah, over, overall, I thought it was a, a better defensive effort than maybe the, the numbers would suggest. So that's, you know, the other thing I wanted to point out stat-wise was Sydney Parrish. Her numbers didn't jump off, at least scoring-wise. She had 12 points. She hit three threes as part of her 12, but she also had five rebounds. She had a couple of assists. She had two blocks. So, and I think the, the one thing I saw tonight kind of watching Sydney play is she got a, she got a couple fouls that, you know, especially early she got one foul that, you know, I thought maybe took her a little bit away from what she wanted to do. Of course, the rotation took her out. You know, as well, Sarah usually comes in for her there. But um, Terry Morin said this a couple of weeks ago. Don't let, you know, because, you know, Sydney, Sydney, you know, how'd she say, don't let the hair and, and the nails and everything else fool you. The kid's a, the kid's a winner. She's going to, you know, she, she's going to, she'll rip your heart out to get a win. And I thought that's what they needed tonight. And, and, and I thought Sydney really played an overall pretty good game, even though her stats wouldn't be jumping out at you off, you know, off the sheet. But, I wanted to make sure we talked about Sydney Parrish a little bit here inside the numbers. Yeah, I, I think this is a team that um, a lot of the basketball cliches that you hear, I think, apply to this team, but I think are true uh, in terms of not caring who scores, just caring about winning um, and and really being able to step into different roles and fill those roles successfully over the course of the game. And if there's may need may need to be called upon to score a little bit more in one game and less in another and I think this team flows really well and flexes really well from game to game as in terms of who needs to do what. I thought she hit some really timely uh, shots, even though she didn't shoot all that well overall, four of 11 from the field. I think 
uh, had a couple inside that just missed. Um, but yeah, I, I thought she contributed in a lot of other, other ways. And I think that's emblematic of what you see from the team. You've got so many people, you look at the stat sheet that contributed in, uh, in different ways. I mean, Garzone ends up with, you know, 10 points scored a lot of those points early, uh, in the game, but still, you know, ends up with five rebounds and a block and a steal. Chloe Moore McNeil, as you said, ends, leads the team with seven assists, had four rebounds, a couple blocks, um, just a, a multi-dimensional team that uh, has each other's back and is willing to do whatever it takes to win. Uh, just to throw another cliche in, but I think they uh, they embody all that really well, quite honestly. And, yeah, uh, I, I think she's uh, you know she she will have games where she scores a lot, but she's gonna there's not going to be a game where she doesn't contribute to winning. Uh, and I think that's backed up by what what Coach Moore talked about with her. Yeah, and I think that it just really shows you, like you're mentioning. They're going to do collectively whatever it takes to win. And that means Matt gets 25 tonight. So be it. If it means Grace Berger gets a game where she gets 25, so be it. If Sydney has a game with 25 it, it, or or you get five points, but you have eight rebounds, a couple steals, a couple blocks, they're going to do whatever it takes to win. All right. Um, and that's where, you know, that I think is what this program has become. And I think that Terry Morin, and, and, and you have to realize that Terry is not going to go out and just chase, per se, high-level or high-rated talent. She's looking for kids who are going to buy into the system, and that system means you have to play defense first. It is very much, a, in my opinion, an old Bob Knight recruiting philosophy, and that philosophy works is with this group and with the kids she's been bringing in because they understand what it means to come to IU and play. And she's been selling them on the idea that they're building something that's going to be long lasting. They're going to be a part of something long down the line. That's what, that's what Bob Knight used to recruit guys with. You're going to be something part of something that 20 years from now, people are going to talk about. They're going to 25 years. You're going to talk about you. Same thing with this group. Terry Morin is building, has built this program kind of in that model of what Bob Knight had done with the men. And I think that's, you, you can't lose sight of that. Is she going to get, is it going to come through the portal? Is it going to come through high school recruiting? It's going to come through both, but I don't think you're going to see her always get the top 10 recruit, but she's going to get the kids that fit her system and that, and, and, and understand what it means to be a Hoosier. And so, you know, I, I just, I really love that comment you made about them, you know, look, looking to play as they play together. So anything else on the numbers, Andy, before we move on? No, nah, I think we hit all a lot, a lot of good ones hit offensively, obviously, but I think we, uh, I think we knocked most of them out. Yeah. Uh, and so. Make sure I know where I'm at. All right, so we're going to go on to our game ball. And, Andy, I got a feeling I know who you may be going with, or maybe I maybe I don't. I'm just kind of expecting based on <laughs> our, our conversation so far. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the I'm going to go with Sarah Scalia. I just thought the lift that she provided, uh, particularly in the first half, really got him out to a lead. Certainly could go with Mackenzie Holmes. I think a number of people really contributed well. But, uh, you know, huge contribution, 19 points on 7 of 10 shooting. And hopefully – uh, a, a get right performance that really gets her back on track as you go forward. So I'm going to go with her. Yeah. And that's kind of where I was going back and forth. And as a game for like, I would say probably the end of the third quarter, I was definitely with Sarah, but by the time they got to the end of the game, I was kind of like, eh, Max kind of made a case <laughs> for it. But I'm with you. Just not only the standpoint of coming off the bench and give us such a lift, 
just because she also hasn't had a game like that in a while, just where she's really struggled, really struggled, but not to lose confidence and keep showing. As Terry Moore keeps telling her, as they said on the broadcast, you got to keep shooting. And that's why I used to tell players. I'm sure you as a coach tell players, shoot or shoot. And it doesn't matter what you got to remember the makes and not the misses. And I know that's hard, but I thought tonight, Sarah was really a big lift. I'm not sure that game, even as well as Mac played, I'm not sure we get out of there with the W without Sarah Scalia, you know, giving us a good 15 to 19, you know, I know she finished with 19, but getting us into double figures off the bench. So I'm going to go with Sarah Scalia here and that will be her first game ball uh, of the year. And so congratulations to Sarah on the game ball. So let's move on to our hustle award and, Andy, I'll let you go first on the Hustle Award as well. Man, this one, uh, much like what we've had on the Assembly Call lately, a lot of a lot of worthy candidates here, which is always always a good sign of winning basketball. Quite honestly, when you got a lot of people that mm-hmm. you'd uh, you'd play there. Um, boy, this is a tough one for me. I, I had it. I, I got it down to Grace and uh, and Chloe Moore McNeil. I'm going to go with Chloe Moore McNeil. I just love the way she plays. Uh, watching her progression to where she is now uh, and, and kind of how she flourished uh, when Grace was sidelined uh, is just great. I, 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 and it's like, she played defense on somebody who scored 30 points, but I, <laughs> but I really, uh, I really, I really struggle a little bit with, uh, with some of that. I thought she played well. I thought Lily Meister played well. I thought uh, Grace Berger, um, you know, made clutch plays and hustle plays down the end, but I, I'll go with Chloe, but I, I will likely not argue with anybody that you would suggest, but I thought, different ways she affected the game rebounding block shots uh seven assists making some timely shots of her own uh i'll go with her yeah and i was one that really kind of was leaning to i had given some thought i should say to lily meister i I gave some thought to grace Berger as well uh but and i'm going to go with chloe moore mcneil here as well not just the 12 points but the seven assists uh the four rebounds the two the two block shots and a steal and, and I thought she made a couple of huge plays. As much as Grace Berger controlled the game at the end, and I will always defer to Grace in those situations, Chloe made a couple of really nice plays. Besides the block, she got a couple of buckets and a few free throws down the stretch that really helped put the game away and seal it. So I'm going to go with Chloe Moore McNeil as well. That was who I had on my, on my list to go with as well. So Chloe Moore McNeil jumps up to her five. She now has five and a half. Uh, game or hustle awards as we had one earlier that we split in the season. Uh, and for those of you who are watching on our YouTube feed, live YouTube feed, you can see the scroll across the bottom here of all the other award winners. But so congratulations to Chloe there on the game, or excuse me, on the hustle award. Um, so Andy, and, and I really want to thank you for being on tonight. I really appreciate you coming on. First time we've had you on doing the work and we got to try and have you on again in the future, but lingering questions and with a team that's 18 and one i'm not sure there are really a lot of lingering questions but i guess again and we're going to preview ohio state here in a few seconds but what about this team maybe that you're sitting there you know as a fan and as somebody who watches a lot of basketball is there anything that you're still kind of like "Mm, we got to shore that up um boy i don't know it's it's hard to nitpick when you're uh when you're 18 and one like you said yeah i think i think things to look for are can you continue to get you know Mackenzie Holmes gets in foul trouble tonight what is your what does your depth look like up there can you get a few more of these kinds of performances from Lily Meister hopefully not out of necessity like you kind of did tonight but uh also just as part of her progression and and her being able to step in and maybe so that Mackenzie doesn't have to play uh quite as many minutes you know I, I think that's a 
potentially good problem to have. Holmes is uh, in good enough shape where he, she can play some some heavy minutes, but are you able to to get something there? And then, you know, you look at the, the other lingering question from tonight, given the points given up would be, all right, how does that translate to Ohio State, who uh, scores a bunch of points, did lose tonight, uh, but has a really strong offense as well. You know, we both said we thought the defense probably played better than the, the final score would reflect this evening, but um, that's definitely an area that you want to watch heading into that, that huge Ohio State game and how they can bounce back from there. I, I don't think there are a ton of questions to have offensively, quite honestly, uh, after the way this team's played. So I guess if you're going to make me pick somewhere, I'll do the uh, you know kind of frontline reserves as the personnel side of that and, and the defense uh, after you know one quote-unquote off night as the, uh, as the more team concern. And I also think defensively, one thing I should have added in here, I think defensively, as you play some of the better teams in the league, your scoring average is going to go up a little bit. I, I just think the, te- the better teams in the league find, will find ways to score. You're not going to hold some of those teams in the 50s. But 80? But again, I think you're going to have to you're going to have to score. When we get to Iowa and Ohio State, like on Thursday, we play Iowa twice in February, you're going to have to score some. I, I don't think you can beat Iowa up trying to hold them to 65, 70 points. I think you're going to have to find a way to score and just and just realize that they're going to get theirs with, with all their weapons. But I guess my lingering question going into tonight is Thursday becomes, I don't want to say a huge game, but it's kind of, and I don't want to call it a trap game, but it's one of those games where Ohio State lost at home tonight. They, they, you know, they want to get back on the winning side. We want to be able to put them behind us in the league standings because if we beat them on Thursday, then it's us and Iowa in a tie for first with the two of us. And Ohio State would be at least a game back behind us. And I think he, technically we'd be a half game ahead. I think Iowa doesn't play until the weekend again, or, or at least after us. So we'd technically be a half a game ahead if we can beat Ohio State. But I just want to see us be able to take it. So, you know, I'm sure – and that's the other thing, the kind of expectation here is this team usually doesn't have those high moments followed by lows that we've seen with with other teams. You know, it's generally a pretty even keel. So I would not expect them to at least come out flat against Ohio State, but I I just think they got to be ready for that pressure because Ohio State's going to come out and try to get after them even more so after losing tonight, in my opinion. I think they're really going to try and turn up the defensive pressure and that full court press that Kevin McGuff likes to run. And I'll be interested to see how we react to that. But that's my only lingering question is you know, I, I, I'm a big Bob Knight person in terms of next game. You know, your last game was great. You, you won, but you're only as good as the next game. And you got to be ready to play. So um, I'll, I'll leave it at that with my lingering question. Cause again, I think I'd be nitpicking on some of the other things. So um, it, real quick, Andy. Yeah. yeah I think with the, I think with the Ohio State game, like you said, uh, it's probably good that that's the game coming up because you really – that's such a big game. You almost can't have a letdown as opposed to if the next couple of games flip-flop and maybe you come home to play Rutgers, um, do you kind of exhale a little bit? I think you know you can't do that. And the fact that they're coming off a loss. Don't take that – you know, take that breather – uh, something that hopefully that's the case. Uh, yeah, Andy, you still there? Yeah, I okay. think so. Hopefully. Yeah, okay. hopefully. <laughs> I thought maybe you cut out for a second. So, yeah, and I think that is a good point that you know having a really really good opponent like Ohio State coming in on Thursday will help with keeping that focus and and keeping us moving. Uh, hopefully upwards in the standings. So let's preview our next opponent a little bit real quick. Game time on Thursday night is 8.30 Eastern, 7.30 Central. The game will be aired on Big Ten Network again. 
IU trails the all-time series 58 to 22, including 21 and 15, uh, 21 to 15 in Bloomington. So it's not been a series that's been been uh, good for IU in terms of the overall. But IU has won the last three, including 70 to 62 at the Big Ten tournament last last spring. Uh, Ohio State comes in 19 and one overall, eight and one in the conference. Uh, they lost to Iowa tonight in Columbus. Uh, coming into tonight, they are averaging 86 points a game while only giving up 63. They're plus nine in turnover margin. Uh, they have six players averaging double figures, but two of those players are huge losses. Madison Green is out for the season again with another knee injury, and J.C. Sheldon has been out for a while on a lower leg injury, and we don't expect her back this week. They still hope that she'll come back some point during the season, but my understanding is they're not expecting her to play. So they're led by Taylor Mike Sell at 18 and a half points per game, fourth in the Big Ten. Uh, I hope I say this right. Maybe, Andy, you can help me a little bit with it being over Ohio. Rebecca Mukasakova, <laughs> Makusakova, I believe, but I'm I'm hoping I'm not trying to offend. All right. Chips in at 40. You just did. So I, I probably said it. So we'll go with that. She's uh, 14.6, and she also leads the team in rebounds at seven per game. Um, and then uh, Kevin McGuff is the head coach of the Buckeyes. He's in his 10th year. He has led them to six 20-win seasons, five NCAA tournaments, and three conference titles. Uh, he has a 163-89 and record in Columbus. He's 418 and 188 overall in 21 seasons, including stops at Xavier and Washington. And just for people, you know, for me, I did not know this until doing some research for this, that he has an Indiana connection, originally from Ohio, but he's a 1992 graduate, played basketball right here in Rensselaer at St. Joseph College. So a little bit of connection here to my my, my hometown of Rensselaer. So I uh, want to remind you, AC uh, Assembly Call will have their postgame show Wednesday night after the Minnesota game with the postgame show. Andy, you on that show Wednesday night? Uh, I'm not sure. I'm going to uh, my daughter's team. We're going to game here, so I probably won't get home for the very beginning. Uh, so I may sit that one out. Uh, okay. I'm not totally sure and then AC Radio will also have their Thursday evening show, their AC Radio show on Thursday evening. Be uh, Watch for the times on that because also Thursday night, our next broadcast will be Thursday after the game at approximately 10.30 Eastern, 9.30 Central, following the Ohio State game. Amanda Foster uh, from the Back Home Network and Crimson Cast is going to join me for that afterwards. And so also be sure to catch and subscribe to the next episode of Crimson Cast, part of our Back Home Network family. All right, it's time for last call. Andy, we're going to let you go first as we wrap up the show. Hey, well, first of all, I appreciate you having me. I know we tried to uh, connect this uh, time as well. My uh, practice schedule for my dog team doesn't has not allowed me to uh, to better that they pushed it back to an eight fifteen tip. So I, I walked in the door for her practice just as uh, tipping off. So things were things were meant to be for sure. But I just. Uh, it's such a fun team to watch. Uh, I, I, on, on nights that I don't uh, end up coming on here, but just just really a joy uh, to watch them play. They do so many things well. Uh, play style basketball. Don't care, like I said before, don't care who scores, uh, and just uh, have so many different ways they can beat. And so this was uh, just more evidence of that. And excited to see what they can do as they move forward, uh, particularly with this Ohio State. They keep things in there. 
uh, could potentially get up to, to 20 and one uh, before they leave Bloomington uh, after these next two games. Home. So uh, really exciting, uh, really exciting team to watch. Uh, glad to see uh, how many people rest the show that you guys are doing. You're doing an awesome job and uh, uh, definitely a fun team. To cover, that is for sure. Appreciate that. Kathy's on a well-deserved vacation. Uh, she went to Hawaii with her husband. So that's, that's why she's not here this week, but we really appreciate you joining us, Andy. I really do. And hope to have you on again in the future. You guys do an excellent job over to simply call. And by the way, if you guys don't, don't know, Andy is one of the uh, best bracketologists out there in, on the men's side. So if you want to you know, check out some of his stuff, Andy, what is there a website you have, or is there any place where people could find your, your info as you start getting the bracketology going? Yeah. So, um, Apparently my idea is a little bit odd. Somebody says I've transformed into Max Headroom, which is a <laughs> reference that I do get. It's not lost on me. Other people may not, but I do get it. Uh, but uh, no, so if you follow me on Twitter, at Andy Bottoms, uh, the, the Bracketology stuff is going to be at Inside the Hall, but uh, also with the folks at the Field of 68, we're doing a Bracketology show on Mondays and Fridays again. So I'll usually be on about once a week for that. Today we actually had the first one. So uh, that'll be that'll be going as we get to, I think, less than – Seven weeks till selection Sunday now, I want to say, on the men's side. So lots of uh, lots of hoops to be had between now and then. Things have changed a lot, even in the last week or so, it feels like, for uh, for the uh, for kind of where people are projected. Certainly has changed a lot for the men's team, that's for sure. Yeah, and, and right now, uh, the IU women, the last projection I saw, they were on the one line for the women's tournament, which would obviously be a huge thing for them, obviously. And if you're in the top four seeds, you're going to host – those first and second round games, but obviously being a one seed would make your draw and your bracket a little bit easier to at least get to maybe the, uh, the, the elite eight and such as that. So uh, again, I want to thank Andy for coming on and joining us tonight. It was awesome to have him here with us and his first time on doing the work. We hope to have him back again in the future and hopefully soon into the future. If you want to see us do the show live and be a part of the live chat, make sure that you subscribe to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash assembly call. And again, want to shout out to all the workaholics here in the chat. We've had a lively chat tonight uh, and, and, and with our almost 65, 70 people we've had watching us live. Thanks to all of you who stayed up late to watch us on the YouTube live feed this evening. Great to have you. Or if you're listening to wherever you get your podcast from, uh, make sure that you subscribe and, and spread the word, I should say, and get us some more subscribers because uh, we enjoy doing the show for you guys. You can be a part of our private community as well. Join that today at assembly assemblycall.com. Again, assemblycall.com. Special thanks to John Ringer of Rig Design for designing our new logo. And also a big thank you to Bob Thompson for our new music that you've heard throughout the broadcast. And again, thank you guys for all for listening. We want to thank Andy Bottoms for being here with us tonight. We'll be back to talk IU hoops again with you on Thursday evening after the Ohio State game. So until then, keep your elbows in, your eyes on the rim, and go Hoosiers. Thanks, everybody. Andy, thanks for being on with me tonight. Hey, no problem. It was awesome. Always, I appreciate it. Uh, always fun to watch the watch the game. I I took uh, copious notes, so I would uh, I know how Kathy takes notes, so I felt like there were big shoes to fill in that regard. So hopefully I lived <laughs> up to it. I think you did awesome tonight. Again, we'll have to we'll have to have you on again in the future. I really enjoyed having you and uh, enjoy listening to your thoughts about basketball and the insights that you bring and and, and also just you know a, a different perspective as we as we're trying to grow doing doing the doing the work broadcast so once again I want to thank you I know you're on an hour ahead than me so it's probably getting closer to 10 30 11 o'clock your time so 
or a little bit past that actually i should say a little past closer to 11 30 probably so i want to let yeah. you go and, and, and appreciate you hopping on with me tonight all right awesome i appreciate it anytime yep good night everybody all right see you guys